Translation, a weekly-ish exploration of one fellow's translation of the Christian scriptures, one big idea at a time. I'm Brandon Rhodes, and across the internet from me is the translator himself, Brandon Johnson. Hey, Brandon. Hey, Brandon. Good morning to you, although this is going to be an uncomfortable morning. <laughs> How you doing? It is going to be uncomfortable, yeah. Uh, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's, uh, let's just wade right into this one. Uh, we are talking about this dark legacy in, uh, it's, it's a, across the New Testament's legacy, uh, as Christians broadly have held it. Uh, but there's quite a few mm-hmm. points that we need to touch on here within the fourth gospel. And that is the way that these stories in language has been used to justify anti-Semitism and uh, right, right. All, all like tangential forms of bigotry and disrespect towards our uh, um, Jewish neighbors. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a big one, and and we've talked in other episodes early on in our season on Matthew, in particular. Mm-hmm. We spent some time talking about it. Um, I think it's come up over and over because people. Eat, use all sorts of things to justify it all over so yeah and some of the patterns of yeah i guess i'll just consistently use language of anti-semitism even though some some of these spots will not appear probably to um, many of us as anti-semitic but i think hopefully our conversation will be able to unfold the ways in which that is you can better see how mm-hmm. that has come to be um so there's two big patterns broadly that uh, we were just talking before the show. Two big patterns of the ways in which uh, anti-Semitism shows up and finds a little like foot and handholds uh, in our language. The first mm-hmm. is to really de-Judaize things. We're going to hit on a few little examples of that. Yeah. In this episode, something like, you know, so instead of saying Torah, they say mm-hmm. the law. And that it's like, why not? Why not use the word that is more Hebrew, is more like is more Jewish. Right, right. So they're de-Judaizing and then they're hyper othering. They're hype. Um, they're reducing them to just like the star of David on their shirt or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, and we, we, we've been talking about how like the things that are seen as that are really providing context or are, are talked about positively that, you know, things like we'll talk, we're going to talk about the law or, or whatever are, have that Jewishness, the Hebraic, quality to them stripped away yeah but as soon as it's about the antagonists the bad guys in the story then all of a sudden it's the jews and it's like wait a minute you can't i mean i mean i suppose you can have it both ways you have been having it both ways but you shouldn't yeah (laughs) yeah and you know the christian christianity as a um kind of initially as a faction, a a splinter faction uh, within Judaism um, was Mm -hmm. part of a a historical moment where 
you read the you read the historic documents of that time, what we still have, and they were slurring each other just as much as any Protestants do to the others, <laughs> or or mm-hmm. Protestants do to Catholics and vice versa. It's you know within the family uh, words, people often feel more comfortable cutting much much deeper, and so some of mm-hmm. those patterns of speech of kind of slurring and othering one another show up within the Christian scriptures um, because they themselves were also beginning to develop, you know, tensions as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and since then, word choices that eh, maybe if they knew the legacy, they would have changed <laughs> in the first century. Um, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, those two patterns are de-particularizing it, or uh, and the other one is hyper uh, othering it. Uh, them. Mm-hmm. So um, let's let's start with just that example that we had of Torah. Mm-hmm. So why what what makes it more liberative and healing to go that route? Yeah, I mean it is what it's talking about and if you look at the Septuagint which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible that was done just a few centuries before Jesus time Um, namas the Greek word that is just kind of routinely translated as law is the word that gets used for the Hebrew word Torah so they're translating from Hebrew mm. Torah to Greek nomos, and then we Christians just keep with well that just that word just means law. It doesn't point to Torah; it just, it just means law. Right? So be literal about and, it. Yeah, and even if I pull up my Greek English lexicon, there are more entries for nomos than just law, mm-hmm. and it has to do with like guidelines guide rails like the sense of adhering to a standard yeah and not just like governmental decrees um, statutes that's not it includes that it can be used that way but that's not the only way it should be used and the only meaning to it sure and it's the same with torah it's the sense of instruction or directions or it's it's literally from the comes from the word for like shoot an arrow. So it's like tracing out a straight line. It's the directions that are showing the way. Yes. To be to to live well. Mm-hmm. And so it's the same idea as like a guideline, a structure that shows the way to live well. Mm-hmm. And it's not meant to be rules that are followed or broken it's tracing a way of life and that's that's what the greek word means that's what the hebrew word means and but when you translate it as law when you hear that in an english context it doesn't that's not what we think of when we hear law we think of you know breaking oregon law for this or breaking federal law for that and yeah Hmm. Hmm. you break a law you're arrested you're sentenced, you're punished. Like that's not what it's talking about. No, it could no, be included, but in this context, that's not what it's talking about. Right, right. And you know, it doesn't mean some of that 
that metaphor isn't worthy of exploring within the tradition. At times. Sure. Yeah. yeah at times. Let's do that. The, the liability is, and this is exactly what has played out uh, in within Christianity, is it became such a strong focus on telling the, st- the, the core story to be told is you broke the rules, the law, a universal amorphous rules, law, and God needs to punish people. There needs to be a carceral or penal response to that. So now there's the penal mm-hmm. substitutionary atonement and well, we all just like landed in that shit pile just by just sticking with the metaphor of law. And like Wittgenstein says, like our metaphors have a way of dragging us along with them. Um, right. It just drags the whole um, arc of what the hell the story even is into, yeah. well, the core problem is your little shitty rule breakers. <laughs> right. God had to get do some really weird stuff to address yeah. that, your little shitty rule breakers. Yeah, so this is a really good example of how anti-Semitism, like any form of bigotry and othering, harms the targets, but it also ends up harming everyone else, the people doing the targeting, because we took took out the Hebraic context because we thought, we just don't really need to pay attention to Jewish stuff. We've got it figured out instead. And so it wasn't necessarily an active, like we're going to make sure to hide the Jewish part of this. It was just like, we don't give it. We don't care. We don't care enough to even think that this probably should stay Jewish. And disregarded it, went with like, namas? Yeah, yeah. number one entry in Luxcon Law? Okay, let's just go with that. We're not thinking about context. And then that ends up leading to this really shitty theology that (laughs) harms everyone. Yeah. Yeah. But if we valued the Hebraic roots of all this, like truly valued it and were committed to staying grounded in it, then it would never have gotten to this really shitty theology in the first place. Yeah. We're missing out on such a more interesting way of telling the story as well. When you lean into the Jewishness, the particularity of Christianity, of Jesus as a Jew, working within his tradition contentedly with, well, I take that back, discontentedly. (laughs) He definitely was arguing for a way of being faithful as the children of Abraham, as followers Mm -hmm. of Torah. And if you hear the word Torah as that consistently in it's it clicks into totally new shapes that are fascinating and actually have really good parallels for us as people who follow jesus trying to um what do we do with our own traditions and the clear boundaries that we think that have that have felt clear to us so far and um the nature of faithfulness to written revelation There's all kinds of fascinating questions we get to explore once we lean into the particularity of this as a Hebraic question, of this as the Torah. Mm -hmm. What will save us as a people? Is it going to be faithfulness to um, 
certain meticulous understandings of certain in commands? Is it faithfulness to a story and be, being fa improvisationally <laughs> continuous to it? There's, right. It's way more interesting than you're a shitty little rule breaker. <laughs> and it's also, we're, we're honoring the fact that we are, Christians are grafted into Israel's story. Yeah. We're not a split. We're claiming to be grafted into the story through Jesus. Right. Which means we it's a perpetual as a Gentile, Christianity is always going to be involve the work of um reverent cross-cultural encounter. Mm. So it's by honoring the Jewish trunk of this tradition um, without fetishizing it, uh, it's actually doing the work of training us for what all, all the kind of work that the New Testament spends a lot of time trying to do, helping Christians learn how to understand and discover the divine's activity in the other, whatever that looks like. If you can do this work towards Judaism as a Gentile. It's giving you the work to help confront like whatever racialized institutional crap is happening in your own context towards LGBTQ folks, uh, towards women, towards children, towards the, the disabled, like all these things come with towards immigrants, like being able to, uh, have a reverent, appreciative encounter with Judaism, the Judaism that is at the heart of Christianity is our training grounds for how to follow Jesus better in all of these ways. Yeah. And I'll step off my <laughs> step back from the pulpit. The cat, the, yeah. the coffee is finally yeah. kicking in. Yeah. So there's, there's also yeah, these problems. Go ahead. It's like and those it's like tweaks like that of just like words like just being disregarded as like making sure that remember this is about Jewish tradition and, and context like Hanukkah doesn't show up in most translations for instance like yeah. I don't know that it changes a lot that I did it but it's where a feast of dedication is in most translations dedication just being a translation of the word that where Hanukkah comes <laughs> from. Hanukkah. Yeah. Uh, that's what Hanukkah means, dedication. Um, and, and so, yeah, it doesn't necessarily change the impact other than it's just, a, oh, yeah, this is a Jewish story. Like, mm -hmm. and it's just an example of like that's over and over and over, like taking out the Jewishness of it. Mm -hmm. um, because we don't. We just like just don't think it's important to make sure it shows up apparently yeah like it's optional like oh if we have all this jewish stuff in in the bible that which is like let's just stop there and say how crazy that start of like a line of argument goes but if we have mm -hmm. if the new testament is too jewish people won't understand what they're reading so we'll we'll put feast of dedication they don't have to know what it is they, they may never know what it is mm -hmm. but we have Christians in America have some sense of what Hanukkah is, some vague right. sense. 
And by choosing not to put that in there, it's like you're you're actually making it more alien to people. But I, right. I'm trying to give them a generous interpretation here of saying they're trying to make it accessible. But yeah, and I think people who would defend that decision would say, well, it's it's not the same thing and they don't observe it the same way that they do now and so it might be misleading i'm like well you put passover in there and that's they don't so that's not the same rituals and the same celebrations now as it was 2000 years ago it's been 2000 years that's okay yeah it, it, just let it be what it is yes and if people want to look into how that's evolved over two millennia great if not that's fine it doesn't change the meaning yes yes so let's let's talk about this next big one. It is the most consequential and blood-soaked part of the legacy here. Yeah. And that is uh Judeans versus uh the Jews, or there's a few variants right. there. Yeah. Walk us through right. this, please. Yeah. Well, I think the first important thing to note is how the context and content are different from John versus the synoptics versus the other three gospels. So while some of it does take place in Jerusalem and parts of Judea and the other, the other three, it's focused largely on Galilee. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas John, it's pretty much entirely in Judea with a lot in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. so it's about the judeans now there's not a different word in greek for judean versus jew it's the same greek word and translators have to figure out are we talking about people who live in judea or are we talking about people of jewish descent no matter where they live and that's an so that's that's the difference between judean and jew mm-hmm uh, the the region called Judea or Jewish descent. Yes. And in John, it's usually talking about living in Judea. Mm -hmm. The people who are there in Judea or specifically referring to the authorities in that region. Um, and you can see that by the context, but so that's an important, and then it does a lot of referring to the Judeans because it's written to Christians living elsewhere. So it's trying to tell, hey, this is what happened in Judea. This mm -hmm. is the story for those of you who live elsewhere. And you can tell that partly because it does a lot of translating Aramaic words into Greek, explaining them. So it talks about like rabbi, by the way, that's how you refer to a teacher, because it's not assuming that Jews who don't speak Aramaic who live in Rome, for instance, to speak Aramaic and to know what that word would mean. So it explains it. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's the legacy of this. That's why this word is even showing up. Mm -hmm. But it would be really weird to write to Jews living in Rome and talk about, by the way, you killed Jesus like what yeah <laughs> that's, that's not it's not what it's talking about no it's not and and to the point of like why this is worth getting out of the scripture not just to be like judeans is more contextually faithful 
which is important goal yeah. of that's yours the foundation but yeah, that's, that's the foundation. not the point yeah yeah and the reason it's worth talking about with you all uh on the air is like just reducing people to the jews <laughs> has been like used as lang it, it's the kind of language that's been used for millennia to blame them for all kinds of things but like the core argument of it being like go to the wikipedia page about anti-semitism and the new testament or and Christianity. And the top one listed is the top like uh, strand of anti-Semitism. Contributing factor kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Is, is um, this like argument that Jewish people killed Jesus and may have also been committing deicide in that as well. So they are forever mm -hmm. cursed and damned and cut off. Like it's... Yeah, I feel gross and squirmy, like even like reciting the basic logic of it. But, it, you know, it it has echoed through the centuries into things like blood libel. Like, yeah, they, they just want to like, they kidnap babies and kill or eat them. And like, which is like QAnon is the like modern incarnation yeah. of. Right. As I say, that sounds like some really weird medieval conspiracy, like superstition stuff but it's showing up again yeah like like marjorie taylor green argue like buys into this like a whole bunch of elected officials in america wink to loudly endorse like a, a yeah. big anti-semitic conspiracy that is similar to like what led up to the holocaust right yeah it, anytime you hear like hollywood elites or the liberal agenda that's Coastal all elites, code yeah. Yeah. For Jewish agenda. Bankers, Jewish the bankers. Yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's revolting. And, um, the, the most like forward way of doing it is using this language of the Jews. Um, so being able to, because that language often shows up in places where it seems to be incriminating, like, like you said, the antagonistic points in the story that's where they're willing to like accentuate the a very um low texture particularity of these folks mm -hmm. it's like well they're just the star on them um it's just like reducing judaism to the yarmulke or <laughs> something here with it like it just makes it an other that you can then more easily scapegoat and blame right yeah so let's look at uh yeah let's do that what i'm trying to do instead and why mm -hmm. pulling it up on my screen to share with everyone Get the right thing up here there it is ah nope disappeared again <laughs> there we go Ta -da! be careful where i click yeah so we're looking at two two columns here for those uh listening and the one on the right is your translation, Brandon, and the one Correct. on the left is yep. the uh, ESV, our favorite. Uh, yep, the English favorite. Standard Version. Yeah. Yeah, the extra sexist version. The extra sexist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, and uh, yeah, so this is from John 19. Uh, it's the context being Jesus has been arrested, already gone through his illegal overnight trial 
in in mm. front of the the Judean authorities. Yes. And is now been transferred to the Roman governor over Judea, uh, Pilate, and is being kind of going through a hearing one-on-one -on -one with him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Should we, so how about you read through it, and when we get to one of these highlighted phrases that are pretty consequential, I'll read out um, what the ESV has there, and then we'll continue sure. on. Yeah. Pilate went out again and said to them, look, I'm bringing him outside to you so you can understand I find nothing incriminating in connection with him. Then Jesus came outside wearing the thorny crown and the purple cloak. Here's the person, Pilate said to them. When the lead priests and attendants saw him, Chief they priests. shouted, crucify him, crucify him. I have that highlighted, not so much because chief priest to lead priest is super consequential, but just to point out, this is who he's talking to, right? Mm -hmm. um, Take him, said Pilate, and crucify him yourselves. I find nothing incriminating in connection with him. So now keep in mind, it's the chief priests, the lead priests that were shouting that. We have a law, the Judean authorities responded. The Jews. And based on the law, he should die because he made himself out to be the son of God. So the context is clearly showing that the people in mind here are the lead priests, the chief priests, the people who have authority within Judea. But if it's saying the Jews said that he ought to die, that's a very different impact there. Yeah, that is a major switcheroo. Like he's talking just to those with religious cultural power. <laughs> mm -hmm. and then to to like switch it over to actually all the jews said this uh <laughs> you can yeah. see how people who already have a already established commitment to blame jewish people for what's happening here they can proof text it because of this shitty right. translation <laughs> right right yeah so you're making so, like, it actually the, the more accessible priests... and more faithful here yeah yeah, yeah. The chief priests were wealthy people who ran the temple system where there was this whole system of exchanging coin and making money off of sacrifices. And they had a lot of political influence. They were essentially the ones running Jerusalem and Judea, serving both as the religious authorities and the government civic authorities. Um, we're not even talking about the the Pharisees here, which are often also kind of talked about as if they're the antagonists, which is not also not not accurate. Right. Um, but this is specifically the people who had financial and power stake in running the territory of Judea, and Jesus was upsetting the status quo and challenging their authority, mm -hmm. not just people of Jewish descent. So, yeah, let's keep going. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's just so much power yeah. in, like, that shift. Like, yeah. It actually makes yeah. it preach more strongly. Mm -hmm. we're, not, we're not only erasing the, uh, these points of uh, potential violence, but you, you'll, when, you, when you heal it 
from that, you find a lot of, I mean, culturally consequential power to this. Mm -hmm. It can help us be better yeah. humans together, more faithful. Right. Yeah. Let's yeah. So continuing, when Pilate heard what they were saying, he became even more afraid. So historical context, Pilate was a pretty bloodthirsty tyrant type. So there's like, there's been a lot of questions as to why didn't he want to do this, but it, there's evidence to suggest that uh, Rome had even maybe gotten a little sick of how violent he had been. And so he was trying to play it cool for a little bit and not stir up a rebellion by ex executing the wrong guy. But uh, so when Pilate heard what they were saying, he became even more afraid. And he went back into the Roman headquarters and said to Jesus, where are you from? Jesus didn't give him an answer. Then Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? Don't you understand that I have the authority to set you free and the authority to crucify you? You wouldn't have authority over me at all if it weren't given to you from higher up, replied Jesus. From then on, Pilate tried to set him free, but the Judean authorities shouted, The Jews cried out, If you set this person free, you are no friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes themselves out to be a king contradicts Caesar. So again, apparently in the traditional rendering, the Jews are really out to get Jesus, and in fact are even like siding with empire mm -hmm. against Jesus as the liberator. Which, again, people of Jewish descent absolutely were not siding with empire. They were all about trying to get get Rome out of here. They were occupied. And, yeah. Yeah. But the people, the specific leaders within the system that were benefiting from the system, why would they want that to change? This is about the Jewish, the Judean, sorry, Judean yeah. authorities. Yeah. Who had, who had ingratiated oh. themselves and meshed themselves and adjusted their theology to try to work with and perhaps profit off of the imperial occupiers. Yep, absolutely. Having heard the things they were saying, Pilate brought Jesus outside and sat on the judgment seat at the place called the stone pavement, Gabatha in Aramaic. So there's another example of John or Lazarus, or whoever we're talking about here, uh, translating for the audience who isn't from Judea. It was the day of preparation for Passover, and it was about midday. Here is your king, he said to the Judean authorities. He said to the Jews. Then they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Again, it's painting all Jews everywhere is really wanting blood here. Mm -hmm. Should I crucify your king? Pilate said to them. We have no king except Caesar, answered the lead priests. And again, I have the lead priests highlighted here, chief priests, to emphasize that they're being used interchangeably. This is who it's talking about. Mm -hmm. So then he handed him over to them so he could be crucified. They received Jesus, and while carrying his own cross, he went out to the place called the Place of the Skull, which in Aramaic is said Golgotha, another translation there. They crucified him there along with two others, one on each side with Jesus in the middle. 
Pilate also had a title written and attached on the cross, which read, Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Judeans. King of the Jews. So many Judeans read that title since the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. Don't write the King of the Judeans. Jews. The lead priests of the Judeans said to Pilate. But that he said, I am the king of the Judeans. Jesus. I have written what I have written, replied Pilate. Mm. Yeah, over and over and over. Yeah, it's easy for this has been painfully helpful to see how the steady pulse of translating it that way can really inoculate me to just assume that like that's the way core way to tell the story and that's and therefore um anti-semitic stepping stones will feel more plausible for me elsewhere Gosh, yeah there's lots you. of subtle ways in and out in different places but this is where it's like it's in your face it's very blatant it sure is good grief Well, thank you very much for including this in the list of priorities you had in doing this translation project and in um, hopefully preparing your children to be able to be <laughs> less prone to this uh, um, yeah. this abominable um, deviation uh, within Christian tradition. Um, yeah, and we can, one of the first places to start that is in how we tell the story. Um, and that includes how we translate it. So thank you. And thank you to everybody else who's been joining in this conversation. Uh, I hope you'll continue and carry it forward in whatever faith context you are in. Uh, thank you for joining us today. The easiest way to support Founding Translation is to leave us a rating or a review in your podcast player of choice or app that you're watching this on. Makes it easier for more people to find the show. The second best way to support it is to become a sponsor for just $5 a month. When you do that, you get comment access on the translations Google document and the satisfaction that you're supporting exceptionally nerdy independent media. You can find the link to join the community in the show notes. The music you're listening to is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Founding Translation was produced by Perry FM on unceded Chinook and Kalapuya lands. Goodbye, Brandon. Hi, Brandon. Bye, everybody. <laughs>